let's turn now to Second Peter. Let's jump into our Bible study for today and what God's Word teaches us here in Second Peter. Uh, you've got this letter sort of reminding the church again uh, to remember in many ways what they already know. Peter is not teaching them in this letter anything new, anything that they don't already know. He makes a point over and over to tell them that, that, that these are all things they know and that they've been established in in Christ. So, so much of Peter's letter is just, hey, remember those things and then respond to them. These aren't new things that you're learning. These are things you already know, but what you do need to do is you need to respond to what God has either done or what God is going to do. And so Peter then laid out for them, you know, lives of holiness and Godwardness, lives that are spotless, blameless, lives that are at peace. We've looked at all of these things, but the problem is both in chapter two and here at the end of the letter, he's addressing it again. There are those seemingly in the churches or at least trying to influence the people in the churches, there are those that are twisting the scripture, who are leading people away from the truth and, and into uh, what he calls destructive, destroying, destroying things. Remember, destructive heresies, the word destructive and heresy are both kind of the same idea, destroying, destroying things. Uh, and so while these people are trying to get people to follow them, Peter's warning that, that these teachers are actually, they're undiscipled. And they're unstable. Why, church, would you want to follow these people? So what should the church do? What should we do if, if there's a danger of people twisting God's word and carrying us away and we don't want to be carried away? What do we do? How are we protected against being carried away? What should our response be to uh, a world that might have these false teachers? Well, that's where we are in chapter 3, verse 17. Let's turn to chapter 3, verse 17. We'll read that uh, and then uh, we'll read 17 and 18 and then we'll, we'll go from there. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Just again, we don't want this to be just a mere mechanic to worship. It's not one we're required to do. It's one we just think is a good thing to do. It can be a good reminder to us of the, of the honor of having God's word. There might be other ways that, of course, we can honor God's word, but just doing this one uh, to remember just the blessing of, of having this, this word of God. Starting in verse 17, you therefore, beloved. So based on all this stuff that he's just said about those who twist the scripture and they're, they're un, undiscipled and they're unstable. He says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, having now, Father, lifted up prayers to you three times. Father, we come bathing our service in prayer. Yet again, we join together as a body, humbling ourselves. After every song, after every text, Father, we want to come back and we want to join together in prayer to you and say, God, this is a day about you. This is a day about what you have done and are doing in us. And so, Father, I pray that we would not be like those who try to harden their hearts against your word, that we would not be like those who are stiff-necked 
against your rebukes or your encouragements that, Father, you would, in your grace, soften our hearts, teach us your word, and call us to obedience. In this case today, Father, see how we can protect ourselves, can take care and guard ourselves against the threat of those who would twist the scripture, that we may not be carried away, but remain faithful uh, in your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So here we are. He says in verse 17, you know, this idea of since you, since you know this beforehand, uh, since you know this, the church needs to be, he says, on guard. They need to guard themselves. They need to keep themselves and make sure that they're not carried away by the error of these people, that they don't lose their own stability. But the question becomes, how do we keep from being carried away? Are there things that we can do to make sure that we're not carried away? Uh, and, and we looked uh, at other passages that talk about those people being carried away and some of the reasons they were carried away. We saw their errors and why they were carried away. We looked at those passages for guidance because there are other places in Scripture that talk about being carried away and, and why someone was carried away or ways to avoid being carried away. And so last week, what did we see from Galatians? Uh, the first thing that we saw about being carried away is to remember that being carried away can happen to any one of us. Remember, we saw that, that being carried away is a, is a real threat to all believers, right? If, if it can happen to Peter and even who? Even Barnabas, uh, it can happen to us. We saw also from Galatians that the reason Peter was specifically carried away is because of his fear of people being greater than his fear of the Lord. That he honored and reverenced, feared these people and their opinion uh, and their uh, insight or whatever more than cherishing God's word. So when it came a conflict between what God says and what these people say, he went with what they said. And if fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, fear of the circumcision party was the beginning of ignorance uh, for, for Peter, the beginning of being carried away. And then we went to Ephesians. And from Ephesians, what did we learn? We learned if you don't want to be carried away, then get fat. Get fat in maturity. Grow big in maturity. That it is, uh, in Ephesians it said, it's children who get tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine. It's children who, who run into the threat of being carried away. So if you don't want to be carried away, he's saying, don't be a child. And then in Ephesians, it told us how, is in the midst of explaining us how we mature. And what did he say? Through the preaching of pastor teachers within the body. Uh, so it even laid out to us, not just this maturity of, okay, I'll go home and sort of mature myself, that Christian maturity happens in the body of Christ through men who are preaching the word of God to that body. There's no such thing as lone ranger maturity. Right? It always happens within the body. Uh, and so encouraging us, you want to be, you want to, you want to not be carried away. Tie yourself to other believers as you grow in the body of Christ. But those, we had to stop in the middle of the sermon because time was, was going. Uh, because those aren't the only passages, the only places that talks about being carried away. 
So let's continue to look at the way that the Bible warns us or talks to us about how can I make sure that I'm not carried away? How do I make sure that in six months from now, I'm not listening to some wackadoo or I'm not being carried away or becoming a a wackadoo myself, uh, losing my stability, following uh, people who uh, the error of their lawlessness. How do I make sure that's not me? Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and there we're going to see the call. This is to imitate solid faith. Imitate solid faith. If you wanted to put follow solid faith, imitate solid faith, it really doesn't doesn't matter. Because look at how Hebrews warns us of instability in this way. Look at verse 7 down to verse 9. We're going to see the problem of instability and how the author of Hebrews calls them to combat this danger of being carried away. Verse 7, remember your leaders. Who are the leaders? Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away. That's the same word as carried away in 2 Peter. Do not be led away. Do not be carried away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So there are all sorts of... One thing that's interesting about about this passage is there are all sorts of things that can lead us away. It's not like there's one falsehood. So it's funny here in Hebrews, it seems to be implying that rather than people taking away from God's word, which is normally what we think with false teachers, false teachers ignore verses. Well, we've seen in, in second Peter that really, no, they've, they've actually got verses. They're just, they're just twisting them. So here we see they're, they're twisting it. The problem seems to be here that in Hebrews, they're adding to scripture. Because what do they seem to be adding that requiring some sort of eating of food uh, instead of grace as, as a way to strengthen you? And, and that's the problem if you're trying to keep from being carried away. You can't just look for Bible verses. You can't just say, well, this person quotes the Bible. Look, oh, there's a Bible verse in this. This person must be a great teacher or this must be true because all scripture twisters are using the Bible. You can't twist scripture if you're not using scripture. In its very very definition, the people have to be having God's word. The Bible warns us against unjustly binding others by, by taking texts and adding to God's word. And the Bible also warns us of those who try to bind others by taking texts and twisting them to stop short of what the word of God says. Both are a version of lawlessness. This is not, when you, when you get to people who are twisting scripture, this is not a, a, a question of just people who are abandoning scripture. But the, the problem is a misuse of scripture. And so Paul is saying, you know, you, or, or Peter's saying, you know, this is, a, this is a problem. And then the author of Hebrews is saying, so make sure you're not carried away by these, these, types, of, these types of mistakes. But, but how do you avoid that? That's the question. How do they avoid what Hebrews is warning about? Because Hebrews, you've got another set of false teachers twisting the scriptures, making them have to add something about food or whatever and, instead of making it about grace. And what does he say to keep from being led away? What's the first thing he says there in verse 7? Remember your leaders. 
So that's the problem. You, it, it, these people are being carried away. Why? One, because they're not remembering their leaders. Remember who your shepherds are. That's part of the problem. And, and if you'll remember who your shepherd is, you're not going to follow this false teacher. Is this false teacher your pastor? No. Then you're probably not. If that false teacher says go this way and your pastor says, I don't know about that. I think you should go this way. The Bible's telling you, you need to remember who your leaders are. Those who have taught to you the word of God. You need to follow them. You need to remember them. In verse 17, he's going to talk about you need to submit to them. I mean, there's a, there's a sense in which false teachers and scripture twisters should never have been successful in the church. Because in all of these cases, they are not the pastors of the church who are twisting the scriptures. So the question that should be, why are you even following this man to begin with? Why are you following these men when God has appointed these men over here as your shepherds, as your leaders? Part of the problem in Hebrews is that they are forgetting who their pastors are. They're forgetting who their leaders are and they're submitting to these men instead of submitting to the men that God has placed over their life that God has placed to keep watch on their souls they're they're in essence in in Hebrews they're throwing off the safeguard of God-given shepherds of their God-given pastors and following men who are now leading them astray and are leading them astray because they forgot who their shepherds were I think a good example of this would be like if it put it in another context where you've got, uh, you're supposed to submit to someone and you're not. Take, for example, imagine if this were a case of husbands and wives instead of a pastor in a church. Imagine that you've got, because you've got just as wives are, are called to submit to husbands, here we see that the church is called to submit to their, to their pastors. Imagine a situation where a wife, instead of submitting to the husband that the Lord has given her, starts submitting to a different man, Right? Now, imagine, what, what if it's a really great guy, though? Yeah, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with now? Well, but he's a really solid man over here. Uh, some new guy that, that she's heard of or heard on the radio. I heard this really good guy on the radio, and I decided to look him up in the phone book and give him a call. Uh, and she likes the things that he says, and so she starts to follow his leadership. But he's really a good guy, or he's, he's really so captivating. Like his messages are just, uh, when he speaks, I just feel like he's speaking to my heart. Would you go, well, okay, you can submit to him uh, and me too. I mean, but that's, the, that's a very similar idea. That's what's going on here in Hebrews, though. That's what's happening. Instead of listening and submitting to their pastors who taught the word of God to them, and he says, look, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. What he's saying is the things that they taught you and that he's, that's what you can keep relying on instead of thinking that you need some new thing from someone else. Uh, and so he says, look, instead of listening to their pastors, they're being led astray by these false teachers. So if you don't want to be carried away, one of the things you, you've got to do is follow the leaders that God has given you instead of ones that you see uh, wherever. But it's not, it's not just following them, right? He doesn't just say to remember them. He doesn't just say to follow them. What else does he say to do? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and what? 
imitate their faith. You want to be mature, you want to be solid, you want to be firm, you don't want to be carried away. Imitate the mature. Imitate those leaders. Imitate your shepherds. We're actually called to imitate mature faith several times in Scripture. For example, 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In this case, in Hebrews, it was their pastors. It was those who taught to them the word of God. And here again, there's a a silliness to being swept away by, by the teachings of people that you don't really know. By people who've just come into here, you don't know their life. They could be the worst sorts of individuals off the radio or outside of their books or off of their podcast. You don't know. They could, and, and oftentimes, you know what you find out? They are. Because you find out, oh, look, this is, this is divorce number whatever. And saying, oh, they've got this going on and infidelity. And, huh, probably, wow, I'm shocked. These people who've just recently come into your life, and yet now you're following them. Now, all of a sudden, this guy is, this guy is so wise. This speaker is so intelligent. Your leaders, he says, have taught you the word of God. You've grown under their leadership, and they've led you through the word. But all of a sudden, these new teachings have your ear. There is an immaturity to that. There is an immaturity to always finding a new voice to want to listen to. It's not unexpected, right? The Bible warns about it. But if you want to keep from being swept away, if you want to keep from being carried away, remember your pastors, remember your leaders, follow them, imitate them. It's like, it's like when you're kids and you're told not to, not to wander away from your parents, right? Uh, one way to keep from, from being carried away by other teachers is to stick close to the teachers that God has given you. Your pastor serves sort of like an anchor. When, when you could otherwise be led astray, they will, they will tether you, right? If you come to me and you say, man, I, what do you think about this guy? Or I've been listening to this. And I can tell you, ah, you're gonna watch out for this. And they're great on this, but you know, I don't know about that. Uh, those sorts of things. What is, that, what is that doing? That's tethering you to the word, tethering you to, to, to the truthfulness and using your pastors who are themselves tethered, tethered to Christ as well, keeping watch over your souls. But again, pastors are leading not just by command. Pastors are leading by example or they're, they're meant to. Part of the job of the pastor is to give you guys an example to imitate. Now, this is one of the biggest reasons that I absolutely do not like pastor search committees. Uh, I think they are the bane of so many pastoral existences because what is the pastor supposed to be? The pastor is not just supposed to be a great speaker. The pastor is supposed to be a godly example in every area 
of his life. And normally that's not what happens when churches uh, are, are picking a pastor. We can talk about if that's even what they're supposed to do. When churches are picking pastors and they, all they've got is, well, I heard the guy speak twice and I didn't fall asleep. Uh, or Ralph only fell asleep. Not Ralph. I'm sorry I picked that name, Ralph. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I was like, well, I can't use Ralph. He's here. Clay. Let's use Clay. Clay only fell asleep once, right? Uh, and so it must have been good because he halfway paid attention or something like that. That's what we do. But, but, but what, what actually the Bible says is, take, for example, Timothy. This is why physical age isn't import, as important in selecting a pastor. What is important is their life. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. What does Paul tell Timothy? He says, command and teach these things, but that's not all he's supposed to do. Verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, which is like the worst verse for youth groups to memorize. Uh, but yet they're favorite, right? Uh, like, man, that's, that's like, it's like a, no, no, we're not going to take it uh, sort of youth group verse. Uh, let no one despise you for your youth. So don't let them despise you. As, so here you are. You're supposed to command and teach these things as a pastor, as a shepherd. But what are you also supposed to do? Don't let them despise you. But how do you keep from them despising you because you're young? He says, set uh, the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. How could Timothy, who was young, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't need to say, don't let them despise you for your youth. He's obviously not 75, 80, 95 years old. Like, don't let them despise you for your youth. He's young. How can he lead these people into maturity by being an example to them. Give them something not just to chew on in what you command them. Give them someone to imitate. Not just something to hear, but someone to follow. But it's not just the pastors you can imitate. What did, what did Paul say in Philippians chapter 3? Keep your eyes on me and what? And on those who walk as we do. I mean, there are plenty of people in the church whose solid faith you can imitate. Again, this is the value and the blessing of life in the church is that the church gives people for us to imitate sometimes when in our lives we did not have examples to imitate growing up. Here's a new model home for you. You get this couple and the family that they raised and you look at them, you know what you do? You don't just envy them. You don't envy that you don't have that. You don't despise that they've got it and you don't. You know what you do? Imitate it. Imitate it. You got a bad mom. Well, guess what? You are now surrounded by mothers that you can learn from. You grew up under a, a, a poor excuse for a father and you don't want to end up just like him. Well, hey, here are fathers that you can imitate instead and that would be a blessing on you and your spouse and your family if you grew up to be like them because you were imitating them. And here's the teamwork part, though, of church life, right? Pastors are supposed to set the example. The mature are supposed to set the example but then how's the church supposed to respond? Follow the example. This isn't just a matter of looking at the example. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't church isn't zoo, right? Where you just kind of look and go, well, their life does look very interesting. Look at what they do on the, on the weekdays. They will, you know, I mean, uh, imitate. 
their faith. Follow the example. If, if a pastor says, hey, I'm, I'm worried about this, or hey, we really need to start working on this. If you want to be someone who isn't carried away, that would be a good thing to listen to. If the shepherd's like, this is where we need to go, people who aren't carried away are people who follow. The, the parent who walks and is like, let's go this way, and the child's like, let me consider this before I do, uh, will then find themselves alone in the supermarket. And we've all been there, or maybe it was just me. I was there a lot. And it's scary, right? It is scary. And what do you often do? You turn to the first adult that you see. As if, as if they're, the, this happened to me in, in, was it Washington? Was it Washington, D.C.? We were in like a botanical gardens area. And there was a little girl who was obviously lost. Uh, and she was doing this by herself, just wide-eyed and looking around. And I was like, I, I'm, I have a radar for this. I was like, something seems to be wrong. It's not normal. So I went up to her and I, and I said, are you lost? Are you okay? Where are your parents? And then I said, wait, don't talk to me. I'm a stranger. I said, so go to that guy. There was, there was a guy in a, in a police uniform. That's back when you could trust them, right? Uh, and I said, go to those guys. Go to him. Go to people like that. Don't talk to strangers. And then I just stood back and I watched her go away. But what was she tempted to do? She was tempted to tell me the first adult that she saw, yes, I'm lost and I need someone to guide me. And so often in our Christian lives, if we're, we're sort of listening to voices nonstop and we're looking for guidance, if we're not following the guidance that the Lord has given us, the ones that the Lord has set over us to keep watch over our souls, we're going to follow somebody. And that somebody may not be the one that God has given us to follow. And it, it can create problems for us. We can end up being carried away because Hebrews warns about that exact temptation, right? Imitate their faith. But a lot of times we, we are being like sheep, but the problem is sheep aren't always the best, right? No one's like, you want to know a really, you, a, a really faithful animal that follows all your instructions? Sheep. Uh, no, they don't. They're, they are obstinate sometimes. They do not go everywhere they're supposed to go. Sheep are often reluctant, I don't need to follow anybody. I'm a sheep. I think there's green grass over here. I shall wander that way. And then they're dead, right? So what does Hebrews say to do? After saying, remember your leaders, after saying, imitate their faith. Now you get down to verse 17. And what does it say? Obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. The Bible knows that even though pastors are there to protect us, to grow us to maturity, as Ephesians 4 said, to keep us from being carried away like Peter's warning about, we will still buck against having to submit to them because we buck against having to submit to anybody. We all do. But what does the Bible say? Not only that you should be following them, but you should be doing it in a way that brings them joy and not groaning. He said, if you don't, he says, it's not going to be for your good. It'd be no advantage to you. Why? Why would it be of no advantage to you? Because following them is how Christian maturity works. You'll be taking yourself out of how God has set up the world to work. You'll be leaving yourself open to be being carried away in the same way that can a, can a wife grow and not submit to her husband? Yeah, maybe, somewhat. But when we throw off 
the, the, the framework that God has put in place, we run ourselves into the dangers of being carried away. So if you don't want to be carried away, Hebrews 13 says, follow those with solid faith. Who specifically? Your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, your shepherds, your pastors, follow them. Their faith will serve like an anchor to keep you from sailing away. So now we've got, I mean, so now we've got these, we've got four ways to keep from being carried away. One, know that it's real. Two, don't fear people more than you fear God. Three, get fat in your faith. Four, follow, imitate, solid faith. And now the last one, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I mean, because these people knew that there were false teachers in their midst. They needed to be on guard. They needed to guard themselves against being carried away. And that can seem scary, right? What if I do a bad job? What if you're going through this list and you're like, you know what? I'm looking at several of these and I fear people a lot. And I'm not very mature. And I am not imitating others. I'm kind of trying to do this thing solo or whatever. I'm not, I'm not following uh, my pastors or my shepherds, whatever. One thing we can know is that in the end, you and I won't, won't finally and ultimately be carried away and lose our salvation. Why? Because in the end, it is God who guards us. It is God who protects his children and will not let them be carried away ultimately and finally. The Bible is clear that while we are guarding ourselves, God is also guarding us. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse three. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you just as we already saw in Peter that we have stability through the work of Christ. And he's warning us not to lose that stability. God will establish you and what? And guard you against the evil one. It's the same word that we saw in 2 Peter. The same guard yourselves, keep yourselves here. Same thing. God will guard you. God will protect you. We might be called to pursue certain things, to be on guard against threats. But in the end, our great faith is that it is God who guards us. That he is the one who is ultimately protecting us from the evil one whom we have already overcome because of the faith that is ours in Jesus Christ. Our hope and the hope of the people of God has never been in our faithfulness to follow these, these four other things to keep from being carried away. How do I know I won't be carried away? Well, I know I can be and, and I don't fear people more than I fear God and I'm mature and I'm following the lead and imitating you know, mature believers and so I know I'm going to be saved. He says, in the end, the ultimate reason that you know you will not be carried away isn't your faithfulness but his. But his. And take, for example, Jude 24, that, that famous and rousing benediction. At the end of a letter that, remember, Jude is a lot like Second Peter, a lot. And what does he say? Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And we are called to keep ourselves. But who is it who ultimately will keep us from stumbling should we fail? It is our God. And it's like teaching a kid to ride a bike. You know, what do you say? Don't fall. Don't fall. 
But the whole time you're there to make sure that if he starts to fall, you keep him from tumbling. God tells us, guard yourselves, keep watch, be on guard. But he also promises that he is there the whole time with his hand on the seat to make sure that we will not tumble and fail. Our hope of not falling away ultimately and finally is not how much we do. Our hope is in the Lord. And if there's anything we can remember as we, we're going to see this next week, because what's it going to say? This is all to lead up to the transition into next week. Because what's he going to say in verse 18? Don't, don't be carried away. Verse 18, but grow in what? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you keep from being carried away? You grow in grace. And we'll spend all next week looking at how the Bible tells us that over and over, even in some of the passages we already looked at. But we'll stop there. Uh, today we won't get into verse 18 these are the the things that the bible has laid out when the bible talks about being carried away these are the things that it warns about the things that it tells us to do to protect against being carried away so we would be wise in a passage that says hey don't be carried away to go to other passages that talk about different ways that people have been carried away different reasons and the remedy to make sure that we are not carried away how do we make sure that we, we don't end up following those who twist the word? You don't get carried away by their teaching. Well, how do you do that? You realize that you could be carried away. If Peter can be carried away, if even Barnabas can be, so can you. We don't fear people more than God. We don't just go with the flow. We go with the word. Even when the word is going against the flow. And we grow heavy in maturity. We grow heavy in the body of Christ. It's easier to get carried away when you're a child who's alone. And then we imitate solid people. God has in your pastors and in the mature people in your life, God has placed lead balloons to keep you from being carried away. Latch onto them. And then in the end, trust God. Because he's the one who promises that he will keep you from stumbling may we not be carried away may we heed the words and wisdom of our god let's pray the last thing that we saw was the need to trust the lord and so now is a time to go to the lord in prayer to take time to say look we saw all these things we've seen all these things that we're supposed to do that we can do all these different ways to protect ourselves different 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 wisdom to to guard against being carried away but who ultimately do we need? Who does our hope rest in? Our hope rests in the Lord. So take a moment right now to just praise your God, to just thank him for, as, as Jude said, his, his faithfulness, that he keeps you from stumbling. As Paul said in Second Thessalonians, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So thank God for that. Thank God that ultimately your hope does not rest in you, but in him. How, uh, what a way to end worship, but going to the God we worship and just praising him in a time of humility, saying, God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. And then just as you're praying, rejoice. Rejoice that God will not let you be carried away fully and finally. 
Might you fail? Yes. Might you be carried away at some point? Yes. Might you be wrong on pretty big topics sometimes? Yes. Might you sin some pretty huge sins? Yes. But if you are God's, God is guarding you, keeping you in the end. He will not let you be carried away from him. Christ will guard you and will present you blameless to the Father in the presence of his glory with great joy.